Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Living for a Living, episode 75. Yeah, and we're back. Man, finally had the first game this weekend. Uh, first, before I get into that, I guess just keep you updated. Website is close to being up. Still working a few things. I know I said maybe it'd be done this weekend, but it's it's a work in progress. Timing's always right. It is as it should be. With the website will be the online store. I'll probably pl- start plugging that stuff more once it's actually up. Send me a message before you get it. And I'll, I'll hook you up with the homie discount for that first first supporter. First supporter discount. First follower discount. It's cool though to have... I got my buddy here working on this website who I've met through the powers of social media. And... It's just kind of fun to have a team and be a part of a team. And this is going to transition really well into football. But with the podcast and with this stuff, it's nice to have, you know, different people that all believe in the same mission and want the same goal, but have different skills in order to make things happen. And like with this website stuff, and eventually my buddy knows kind of the more marketing Facebook ad type of stuff that I'll probably talk to him about. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. And just to like slowly progress things and have someone that believes in it, it's pretty cool. And so he'll be be a, a podcast sponsor here soon. So I'll start plugging that also. Awesome, awesome guy. Good to work with. And make some dope websites. So be on the lookout for that. You know, with the with the merch stuff, I consider my swag, I consider my style timeless. So you know, it's like pretty much everything I wear now, I've owned for at least five or six to ten years. So what I'm just trying to say is if you buy something from me, my goal is to make it so that it'll be cool forever. All right. But yeah, let's let's get into this last weekend. Had the game, first game of the season here in Finland. Little Finnish redemption. Oh, I need to turn my levels down a little bit, huh? That was kind of loud. Little Finnish redemption for me. And ironically, it started where it really started for me, which was in Vasa. And I didn't have any like animosity or, you know, it's so far in the past at this point. And my reason for leaving, I had absolutely no issue with the, the local guys on the team or the city or the organization, you know, anything like that. It was just solely due to basically one dude, which it's kind of funny now at this point because, um, all the guys there that I talked to after the game made some comment about it at some point and said, dude, I got it. Or, you know, or this fucking guy. And I'm not even going to name him, but it was, it was crazy. It was surreal just to be back in Vasa. Like we turn off the freeway and I can recognize the little burger fast food joint 
and the soccer stadium that I used to have to drive by. And it was like the universe was talking to me through my headphones. I was listening to some Nipsey Hussle song. And like at the exact moment that we pulled into town, the lyrics were like, back like I never left. And I was like, hmm, I hear you, universe. I hear you. And so, man, it just feels fun. Football is fun, dude. It's just fun to play the game. And I have to admit, we have a really cool group of dudes that's fun to play with. And we got after it. We ended up winning 35-3. to And it was just a good overall game. I think we're an interesting team in, in the you know past five, ten years, especially in the Euro game. People have moved much more to the spread, spread them out, throw it 40, 50 times a game. And we're like slowly going back the other way where I think we opened the game with like seven runs, just downhill, punch in the mouth, and then had a nice little play action for a tutty. And yeah, offense, we weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a good first game. You know, normally first games are a little bit sloppy. Something goes bad here and there, but our worst play, my worst play, I had an interception and it turned into probably one of the most memorable plays of my entire career where I'm rolling right, set up, throw it, should be, if if it doesn't get tipped, I think it's complete in the end zone for a touchdown, gets tipped back up in the air, guy picks it off, starts running it back, one of our receivers punches it out as a, on a tackle, it's on the ground, our right tackle picks it up, scoop and scores from like 10 yards out. So it was just the ultimate kind of, you know me, life lesson in one play where I kind of made a nice little play to make it happen, had to avoid somebody, throw it, it gets tipped, intercepted, which is not fucking good, not a good thing that happens. And then within a matter of seconds, it turns all around and it went from me being like, ah, shit, to holy shit and celebrating in the end zone. You know, it's the only only interception I've ever celebrated in my entire career. And it probably will be the only one. You know, it's probably, now that I think about it, that'll be for sure a top three or top five play that I'll talk about for the rest of my life. I have one other one from in Portugal in like the semifinals my second year there. We were winning by 14 or 21 or something, kind of beginning of the fourth quarter. And they had this one Portuguese corner that was a good player. And he was kind of talking shit throughout the game to our American import. And just the way that they were set up, we weren't throwing it to him a ton at the beginning of the game. We were kind of spreading it out and running and dinking and dunking, controlling the clock. And then he started kind of talking shit to our guy. And fourth quarter rolled around and we were starting to take control. And we got a turnover on down, so we're around midfield. 
and I'm I'm a go for the net kind of guy. You get a turnover around midfield, next play, you go straight for the throat, touchdown, deep ball, because that can just be an ultimate dagger. And so you can see it on film. It'd be so cool if I could find it. But you see it on film, turnover on downs. Me and my boy Colin are running out to the side, to the field. And he looks at me, he's like, yo. And I look at him, I go, yo, we're fucking scoring right here. And he just pats me on the back. And you can see it all in huddle. And next play, a little quick play action, deep ball to him on the corner that was talking shit. And I think that turned into like his second or third touchdown of the game. And safe to say that corner wasn't talking any more shit the rest of the game. So, yeah, I think those two plays are like two. And now this fumble, interception, fumble, touchdown are probably. Yeah. I I can't think of off the top of my, I have another like dagger touchdown like that when I was in Poland very similar to that last one I just said but those three I mean again in a semi-final game those three are probably the ones that I talk about most and man it was cool too the guy who picked scooped and scored Oscar local guy who I don't think since I've been here in the six months has missed a practice which is kind of a rare thing if you know football in Europe, American football in Europe, because guys have other lives. For the most part, it's it's all the local guys. It's just their hobby. And so for a dude not to miss a practice in six months is pretty, pretty serious. And so, you know, there's not a guy that deserves it more. And, and man, it was fun. And so then we had couple other threw another touchdown to my boy Jeff on a fade good old goal line fades those will never get boring for me and then our defense just our defense is tough man our defense is really tough it's it's really fun to watch them from the sideline and not have to go against them like we have had to the last six months the last three months especially so we just got to do all the cliche stuff one play at a time, one day at a time, one game at a time, not get ahead of ourselves, stay healthy, all that kind of stuff. And it's it's looking like a pretty fun little year, I think. But it's just it's it's a cool group too cuz everybody's excited for each other. Offense is on the sideline excited cheering on the defense, defense is stoked pumped up for the offense special teams guys make plays I mean it it's it's cool and that's what it takes on all all the good teams I've been on and I've been pretty fortunate throughout my career to play on some good teams but in high school when we lost in the state championship I mean that was like a brotherhood ever everybody was in it DVC, Juco, when we were good there, same kind of thing. Defense fucked with the offense. Offense fucked with the defense. North Dakota, kind of actually, we were good the year I was there. We just were kind of battling the coaching staff in a way. But for the most part, the team chemistry was good there. 
And so, you know, same thing, the devil, ever, everywhere I've been, it's been like that for the most part. Spain, it wasn't exactly like that because we didn't, everyone didn't really know each other. But when the offense is believing in the defense and the defense is believing in the offense, that energy that's exuding from the sideline towards the team, whichever one's on the field, I'm a big energy guy. That shit's serious. That shit's super serious. So it was a fun, fun start. We got the week off this week for Johannes, which is basically just midsummer. Longest, I guess in theory, it's like the longest day of the year is maybe today, June 21st. What is the longest day of the year? Let me look that up. Longest day of the year. Oh, it is today. So summer solstice as we record, which makes sense because it looks like it's, if you're in Seattle, it looks like it's like 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night right now. And it's 11.30. So yeah, Johannes week. A lot of people here get the entire week off. Or actually, I think actually a lot of people get like a month off for summer from work. I don't know exactly how it works. And then this weekend, this upcoming weekend will be a big party. Or a lot of people go to their summer cottages. There's just a lot of celebration. And it's supposed to be 30 degrees plus this whole week. Which for my American folk out there. To get Celsius to Fahrenheit, you go 30, this is a rough thing, 30 times 2 plus 32. So 30 times 2, 60 plus 32, 92. I think it's a little bit, I think it's like times 1.8. So a little bit, less. 30 is about 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So for the Finnish blood, that is fucking warm. I don't have AC in here. I need a fan. Walking in the supermarket is very nice. Or just going to the supermarket in general is very nice right now because it's so fucking hot and they have some nice AC there. So I I strolled around the aisles and checked a couple things extra to see if I needed them (laughs) this last trip today. But yeah, I I don't really have any plans for... Johannes, I would like to have a party at like a park here in Quopio, a BYOB, shit, bring me a beer if you want to, because I really, after I was talking shit about the Finnish DJ, more like club selection music, you know, I hear it's not necessarily always the DJ's fault, and I said, I'll start DJing. I'll do it for free. And I was like, shit, what if someone actually says like, hey, we want you to DJ. I need to have some DJ stuff. So I got a little I got a little app program on my computer. Been mixing a little bit here and there on the turnt ones and twos. And so I'm like, shit, I want to, I, I seriously kind of want to DJ. Control the vibe. You know, DJing in a way is like quarterbacking. You're controlling the vibe of the fucking party. And with, like I said, the music selection here, I think we could get it pretty vibey. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to have a party at like a park 
nearby my house here in Quopio. I'll DJ. We can just have a day party and let's get after it. So if you're a Finnish person listening right now, let me know if you're down. I think I need some speakers and and we'll turn up for one day. That'd be fun. Right now I'm missing the Euros 2021. Finland is on. And Finland is probably like the most boring team to watch. I, I've I've grown to like soccer substantially, substantially more than when I arrived to Europe six years ago. My team is Portugal because, you know, well, that was where I actually learned to actually like it. But Finland's tough to watch. They're hoping for a zero to one game. Zero to zero ties, next best thing for them. And I would rather watch the wall than that. Other teams are super fun to watch. I watched the uh, Denmark-Belgium game. That game was exciting. I'm just, I want people to score. And soccer is such a cool sport when the dudes don't act like bitches. And I don't mean bitches like girls. I just mean being a bitch because you watch the girls soccer and girls do not flop like guys do. Girls are way more badass in soccer than the guys are generally speaking. But like when, when guys just go hard and don't do all the pussy shit, I mean, you see a guy get his, his face touched by a finger and you would have thought someone just punched him in the face. That's the stuff I cannot stand. And that's the stuff that I think for the average American viewer that they have a tough time getting behind. Although I saw a dude actually get a yellow card for flopping last time I was watching and that's cool, but I think it should be more severe. Give him a fucking red card. Get that pussy out of there. Because to me, that's the that's the way to change. And and just if if I could be the GM or the whatever president of the league, I would set it up because the last five minutes or last ten minutes of a game that's like zero to one is some of the most exciting soccer there is. And so instead of doing like two halves where the score two forty five you know one game of ninety minutes where the score of that 90 minutes is what matters. I propose you make like divide the game into nine sections. And so the it's 10 minute blocks. And at the end of each 10 minutes, it's like its own game. So if you score, if it's one to nothing in that 10 minutes, then you win that game. And then it's, you know, whoever can win five out of the nine games wins the match. Kind of like breaks down to like tennis maybe. I don't know. To me, it just, I think that would make it way more exciting. But who knows? All right. That's definitely enough about fucking soccer. (laughs) Back to the real football. The ELF kicked off. This year in ELF, yeah, which is the European League of Football. For those of you who don't know, they just started a new 
quote-unquote professional league here in Europe. And it I was definitely skeptical of it given the timing with COVID and whether they're going to have fans and this and that. But I think COVID's just about ready to be over. And I think everywhere had fans in the stands. I think people are getting back to normal with that. Um, but I was a little skeptical and just in terms of the way it was set up and the timing, all these things. And I mean, they want to charge a hundred bucks for a, a season's pass to watch all the games, which is the same as NFL, which is a little steep for year one. So I won't be buying that, but I've been watching the highlights and, you know, I have quite a few, quite a few buddies who are playing all around and just to, again, to clarify, if people don't know, there's a team in Barcelona there's a team in Poland, and then there, which are, are two countries I've played in, and then there's a t- there's like six teams, five or six teams in Germany. I think five. I'm not sure. Po- I'm not positive, or maybe four. I don't know. No, I think there's eight teams total. So six teams in Germany. Whatever doesn't matter, but it looked pretty legit, man. And that was the that's going to be the big test because especially with the broadcasting, they have the first down line on. The one commentator I heard for one of the games was absolutely atrocious. That is something that you need to get in order to just legitimize the broadcasting of it. But the product on the field seemed pretty good. The downfall from what I saw from highlights is going to be O-line play. Because there's some damn good D-line and O-line can be a little bit tricky to get. And so depending also on who they have coaching and all those kind of things, O-line is the the glue that you need. So I, I think that's going to... The GFL, which is the German Football League, is probably not too happy of how well that first week of ELF went because with five or six teams being from Germany, taking a lot of local German players because the rules are set up that I think you can have four Americans, which two can be on the field at the same time, and then I think 10 other Euro import spots, so non-local, non-domestic guys, and then the rest of the team has to be from whatever country is from. Uh, is playing so the German team means that there has to be 54 man roster minus 14 that's 40 domestic guys for each team if there's six teams that's 240 domestic players right there taking away from some of these other German teams so this could be the demise of the GFL depending on how this goes and what happens next but I think man to me it'd be really cool to see this like top tier Euro Europe wide professional league because it would really legitimize the sport over here which in some countries it's you know glorify a glorified hobby and in other countries it's pretty fucking legit and you know the way that things have kind of gone in my experiences over here in the last six years is that almost every team, I'm excuse me, in almost every country, every league, there's kind of a top dog that has dominated the last five or six years 
In some countries, there's two that have been battling it out. And so if they made this Euro League, you know, completely European, and it took all those top dogs from each country and put them all against each other, it would do a couple things because it, it would first, it would make that top dog team in a way become a national team, which a lot of the top dog teams have a lot of the national team players on them already. And so it would give these guys who are kind of national league or national team level players a way to get paid and make a living relatively small, but still a living from playing a sport. And that's just the, that's the way you got to start building it. And then those teams could then pick and try and get some of the better players from all the other teams. Because like I just mentioned, you need the domestic guys in order to really compete because everyone can go sign 14 imports, but it's going to be those remaining four, you know, 14 other starters, you know, that's 28 total, but with different personnel packages, you probably have got another 14 that you really need. And so then it gives guys, domestic guys from their respective country, something to look at that's not just the national team where it's cool to represent your country, but you can actually make a living from doing it. Gives them something to shoot for. So that's increasing and improving the game because it gives this like dream thing in people's mind. And then on top of it, it takes the top dog out of the, each of the leagues. And so every league becomes a little bit more level. And then it gives all the guys who are in those leagues, like another thing to work towards and a next level to get to that they could maybe get signed by the ELF team. And then it just creates more competition because yeah, like when I was in Poland, we were we could compete with the Wrocław Panthers, which just to go on record, the Wrocław Panthers are my underdog team to win the ELF 100%. I think they've beat me three or four times in my career. They whipped my ass pretty good a couple times, so I'm slightly biased, but I also, after watching them, their highlights from game one, I think they could do it, and they have a very good chemistry. But there, they they were just dominating everybody. They won they won the championship one year without imports in the championship game. And in Spain, when I was there, it was the Drax who just again just had that kind of swag, had that thing about them that we were beating them at one point, and then just within ten minutes, we're losing by twenty one. And so you take those guys out of each league and then all of a sudden all these other leagues become much more interesting in addition to creating this new league that has national kind of ramifications national representation a pride about it you know if you can get you know I think in in France I'm not sure who's won I don't know who the top dog team in France is but just judging from the French dudes that I've played with in my short amount of time over here, French dudes got some ballers. You know, the 
Polish team. Poland has the Panthers. They're already in it. Germany has like four or five, six teams. But the two teams who have won the German Bowl the last like four years, five years, I think, New Yorker Lions and Schwabeshol Unicorns, they're not even in the ELF yet. So I think next year they probably will be. And you get a couple more of those teams. Maybe, you know, one or two German teams fall out, whatever it may be. But you move that way. Sweden, there's two teams, Mean Machine and Karlstad Crusaders. Finland, you got the Roosters and Helsinki. And then the Kopio Steelers of the last four years or so have been just right up there on the heels. And so that could be a you know thing with maybe maybe there's one, maybe there's two teams. Also, I think it would depend on the finances. Denmark, there's the Copenhagen Towers. Italy, Milano Seaman. Austria has Swarco Raiders, Vienna Vikings. Czech Republic has the Prague uh, Black Panthers, which the Prague Black Panthers don't even play in the Czech League anymore. They play in the Austrian League. And so that's created, I was in Czech Republic earlier, that's created a lot more fairness in the Czech League because you got those top dogs out of there. Switzerland has the the Broncos. I'm sure you could get a team in UK. And then right there, that is, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, plus Spain. That'd be 12 countries and maybe 20 teams, more or less. And if it's quality football, which... It, it's looked pretty good in highlights. Again, I haven't seen full games, so I, it's hard to really comment on it. But I know there's the players there. Now, getting coaching could be tough. You know, there's bad coaches in Division One football. So sometimes getting a good coach over to Europe can be challenging. But if I, th- I, think, I think there's something in the make, and I sure hope it is. I sure hope it happens. I'm I'm a big proponent and I'm a big advocate for this becoming a thing because it's just cool. And it'd be fun to see it start like that and and really go into existence, especially using the European talent because it, people don't understand for the most part how skilled some of these European dudes are that if they got some true coaching and we're in a true program. The potential is almost unknown because it's they've they've never been in something like that. And so there's guys who are ballers who kind of in a way don't even know what they're doing sometimes. Maybe not even working out that much. And then you get them into the right little system here and there, man. The sky could be the limit. And then you start seeing guys possibly transition even more to the CFL, even more to the NFL. And then, I mean, if you then do the scheduling of the ELF at the right time, not during the NFL season, but like right now, preseason kind of thing, you start to get that American audience. Man, it could be cool. I, sh- I sure hope so. I'm rooting for them. Fun first week. I don't know if I'll talk about it this much going forward, but I felt like a lot of those things have been on my mind, wanted to get them off. But moving forward, let me take a sip of water here. 
staying on football, but not on football. The thing that popped up this week that, man, I got a lot of respect for Cole Beasley. That is a real motherfucker, and I'd like to try and get him on here. I have a buddy who plays in Buffalo with him last year, so maybe pull a string, get a lucky, get a lucky uh, call in. Maybe it could happen. We'll see. But if you don't know, Cold Beasley came out and tweeted this kind of two-page note regarding the vaccinations and and the rules from the NFLPA regarding the players, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. And so I'll just read his little note he did because I think what he did is pretty ballsy, especially in the current climate we're in, where if you're, you know, you can get canceled and fired and blackballed and people just jump down your throat on the internet for taking any kind of stand for anything that goes against the status quo. And so Cole Beasley's thing reads, look, I'm going to live my life like, like I want to regardless. Everyone, hi, I'm Cole Beasley and I'm not vaccinated. I will be outside doing what I do. I'll be out in the public. If you're scared of me, then steer clear or get vaccinated. Point blank period. I may die of COVID, but I'd rather die actually living. I have family members whose days are numbered. If they want to come see me and stay at my house, then they are coming regardless of protocol. I don't play for the money anymore. My family has been taken care of. Find me if you want. May my way of living and my values are more important to me than a dollar. I love my teammates and I enjoy playing ball because all the outside BS goes out the window in these moments. I just want to win the Super Bowl and enjoy these relationships that will be created along the way. I'm not going to take meds for a leg that isn't broken. I'd rather take my chances with COVID and build up my immunity that that way. Eat better, drink water, exercise, and do what I think is necessary to be a healthy individual. That is my choice based on my experience and what I think is best. I'll play for free this year to live life how I've lived it from day one. If I'm forced into retirement, so be it. I've enjoyed the times I've had. I'll get to live freely with my wife, kids, and extended family forever. We'd get to enjoy the times that we missed from the sacrifices we've had to make just so I could play this wonderful game. So either way, it's a win-win. That's where I stand. Thank you for everyone who has been supportive throughout this process. A lot of the other NFL players hold my position as well, but aren't in the right place in their careers to be so outspoken. I feel for you, and I'm hoping I'm doing my part to represent you guys well. Cole Beasley. Like I said, to me, that's some real motherfucker shit. Because they, and so just in, if you don't know, they've, they've made kind of restrictions or, or there's literally basically no restrictions for NFL players if they've gotten the vaccination. They're not requiring anybody to do it. They're not forcing anybody to do it. But just simply from the two different lives that a vaccinated versus a non-vaccinated person will live in the NFL, it would make you want to get vaccinated. You know, for example... Um, unvaccinated players have to be tested daily. Vaccinated don't. Unvaccinated players have to wear a mask at facilities and while traveling. Other ones don't. Unvaccinated players will need to self-quarantine following exposure. Others won't. They'll be under the same travel restrictions as the 2020 seasons. They won't. 
unvaccinated will be required to limit their weight room numbers to 15 individuals. The other side won't. Unvaccinated players must socially distance during meals, not allowed to eat with teammates. Other side won't. Unvaccinated players not allowed to have social media marketing or promotion opportunities. Other side can. Unvaccinated players not permitted to use steam room or sauna. Other side can. Unvaccinated players required to stay in team hotel for meals, may not eat in restaurants, cannot interact with non-team members during travel. Others can. And this was all like put forth by the NFLPA, which is the NFL Players Association, to those that don't know. And so like Beasley's also talked about how the NFLPA is anything but an associated association for the players. I mean, he goes in and like... It's 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 just refreshing to see someone in a in a position like him. Although I guess he also knows he's been in the league like ten years as an undersized white receiver. He knows probably his time is. I mean, just as a taking race out of it, but there's not a ton of white receivers that have been in the game for ten years. Just, I mean, it is what it is. So he knows his time is is running up, although he's had one of his best years the last two or three years. But to take that position and to publicly go out there like that, in my opinion, I guess you don't, if, even if you don't agree with him, I think you have to respect the courage that that takes. At least I obviously do agree with him in the sense that I think it should be a choice and it is people's choice and there shouldn't be all, I mean, if anything has been proven in the last few months is that no one really knows anything about anything. And at some point, whatever the rule is gets disproven. And, you know, you can be a conspiracy theorist six months before it happens. And then that thing actually ends up coming true. I mean, think about the fact that if someone would have told you in 2019 that there's going to be a virus that has a 99.5% survival rating of it that's going to shut down the world and going to make people completely insane and turn against each other and require everyone to get vaccinated for and everyone get a shot for that would sound like a conspiracy, wouldn't it? And that's actually what's happening now. And so, listen, as I've, as I've said, do you. As long as I, I'm going to do me, so you do you. Let me do me, and I'll let you do you. Uh, if you're scared, go to church. <laughs> quoting the great ice cube you know it, it's I've, I've been i've been in an interesting position in my own mind because like i find myself like wanting to speak out on these things obviously if you listen you know i've talked about it here and there 
I'd like to talk more about it at times or like bring in stats and, you know, really, really prove my point or whatever it may be. But I just, I get the impression that most people essentially have their minds made up one way or the other with almost anything and everything. And you could present them all kinds of facts. You could tell them, you know, there's been more than 5,000 deaths from the vaccine in the last six months, which is more than the previous 15 years of all vaccines combined by a lot. You could tell them that, which is a fact, but they'd think you're a conspiracy theorist. You know, you could show them the emails from Godfather Fauci himself talking about the efficiency of masks and the thought process and everything behind those things and how it's kind of all just a hoopla. You could show them that. But if they're already on one side or the other, they're either, yeah, dude, I agree with you, or no, you're fucking crazy. That In a way, it's just kind of a, a waste of breath. And I know I'm literally wasting my breath saying those kind of things a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But in a way, it's like you're not going to convince anybody of anything. And, and that can go for exercising. That can go for eating healthy. That can go for anything. People only change if they want to change. It, it's, never, it's, it's never because someone said something. The change has to come from the interior, you know. Cliche as it may be, you know, you want to change the world, you got to change yourself. And cliche shit's kind of funny because it's cliche for a reason. It's because it's been proven to be valid over a long period of time, and therefore it's been used over and over and over again to nausea, basically. Or to nauseam? I don't know. So, you know, I, I, I'm not going to try and convince anybody to do anything. I, like I said, do you, whatever you think is best, whatever is true for you, whatever your reality is, I would, I would encourage, I guess, to think about your thinking and how powerful that can be. And I guess I would encourage people to turn off the television if I, you know, not, I'm not going to try and convince you one way or the other, but if you turn off the television, including Netflix, life, in my opinion, gets better very quickly. It gets a lot less sad. It gets a lot less angering. Because most interactions you have with people in real life, at least myself, are pretty fucking pleasant and pretty great. It's only when I'm scrolling on Twitter, which I, uh, I'm i talking to myself, I should get rid of Twitter, so, or at least not scroll, and look, read like replies to some people. Because it just, it, it can make you sad or angry, or it, it can make me sad or angry, thinking, are these people even real? How can someone really think this? How could someone really say this? You know, I think 
watching YouTube at this point is a lot better than Netflix. You know, watching vlogs of people actually doing stuff and living and being in real life. Also check out my vlogs from Nepal if you're going to check out some vlogs. But no, there's there's a ton of cool travel vlogs where you get to see, I mean, real motherfuckers. No script. It's not edited beautifully. There's not always a happy ending for all the stuff, but it's real. And that's much more beneficial, in my opinion, to our, our psyche than all this other shit. But with that said, contradict myself here and there, I watched the show Sweet Tooth on Netflix. And I binged it. I don't even know how I binged it. Because normally when I binge stuff, I'm not in like a very good headspace. And you know, it's like my way to escape or whatever. But I've I've done all my podcasts and I've done all my football. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm feeling good. But I binge watch Sweet Tooth on Netflix. And if you want to fucking trip out without taking any drugs... Watch that show. Although, actually, speaking of tripping out without taking any drugs, real quick, I also watched Midsummer maybe like three weeks or four weeks ago. Midsummer is a show on Netflix. Here, I, I know I'm telling you, don't watch Netflix, but watch these things. Um, and Midsummer is about basically this week of the longest all the daylight, and it takes place in Sweden. And these, it's like this kind of it's not a horror movie but it's a thriller and anyway i'm not going to give away the plot it's it's really good it's really it's an interesting movie but in the movie they're at this like swedish cult basically and they take psychedelic drinks i don't know if it's i don't know what it is and it's the most accurate representation visual wise of taking psychedelics I've ever seen in any movie or anything. And so if you're someone who's never done them and you're kind of curious maybe what something looks like or what it feels like or whatever, I highly recommend just watching that to get just a slightly better understanding because it's it's not this like far out seeing dragons and and all these crazy colors and things and you know seeing things that aren't there that get portrayed in the media and other movies it's it's normally just like a slight like shifting of colors or like trees and plants moving slightly different ways so yeah i'd, I'd check that out but back to sweet tooth <laughs> here's my other thing sweet tooth if you don't know the general synopsis of the movie or of the series, is a virus spreads all over the world, essentially kind of like shutting the world down and creating a bunch of different tribes. It's an incredibly deadly virus, which you find out, well, I'm not, I won't give anything away. And in addition to this virus being released, at about the same time, Babies start being born as hybrid babies, meaning they're like half animal, 
half human. And so the main character is half human and half deer. So he has antlers and ears of a deer, but looks like a normal boy for the rest. Some are more or less animally than others. But what an ironic present premise, huh? A virus that, t- and I mean, it's, it's trippy because all of the wordage quarantine, social distancing, mm, you know, the presidents in the, in the movie, in the series, the presidents, press reports and press releases talking about things are so eerily similar to what's gone on in the last year. Granted, I haven't seen any kids with deer antlers yet. But hey, 2021, we still got a couple more months in here. And it's just really strange, though, in a movie that's clearly fantasy, like this movie. Ah, it's a fucking TV, so I don't know why. You get what I'm saying. But in a, in a show that's clearly fantasy... You can see you you see it being very real, given the current climate of everything. And there's this one scene at one point where they they find this family that's deep in the woods, and they're all sitting there at dinner, and the other family, you know, they're wearing masks at the dinner, and the guy says, you know, hey man, like we don't have the sick. You guys haven't seen anybody in you know, six months. So you don't have it either. Like you can take the masks off. And it's just like these weird little things that just so, so relatable. And the strangest part about all of it is this was written and filmed before 2020. And so, man, I don't know. There's a conspiracy theory in there somewhere. Let me, give me a week or two and I'll find it. <laughs> but yeah, if, if you're looking for something on Netflix, don't be. Because there's some other bullshit on Netflix that's totally fucking us up. But it's also better than watching the news. So if you got to turn the TV on and do something, please watch Netflix over the fucking news. That's the worst thing you can do. I feel so proud of my mom. My mom like doesn't watch the news anymore. And when I was growing up, it was just like the news was always on. And you know, there's like always a kid being kidnapped or there was always something. And which I, in fairness to her, probably happens way more than we'd like to admit. But she was always worried about me from that kind of thing, a child predator or something like that. And I was always like, mom. It's not going to fucking happen, you know? And now I was talking to her and she's like, yeah, I don't fuck the news. I just had this like proud moment, proud son moment. So I love you, mom. But yeah, if you're going to have the TV on, at least watch some vlogs on YouTube of people doing some real shit, traveling to real places, meeting some real people. And then if you got to watch Netflix, check out Sweet Tooth. Check out Midsummer. Those are two, I'd say, recommendations. And then, other than that, mm, 
Go do some stuff. Go talk to some strangers. Go be nice to people. I, I, I've, I'm back on to, you know, asking people how they're doing when I'm going through the cash register line. And there's some robots that, you know, just, oh, I'm good. Eh. You can tell don't even really want to talk. And then more often than not, it's someone that's like, you can tell appreciative of it. And so, man, the the reason if if we have a downfall as a human society, it's going to be because we lose connection with each other. You know, the more connected we get via the internet and shit like this, the more disconnected we get in real life. And so, I'm trying to trying to keep both at bay a little bit. Doing a little shuffle. You feel me? What? Well, that's all I got for today. Website's coming soon. Merch is coming soon. Be on the lookout for that. Thanks for listening all the way through. Hey, if you do listen to right now, dude, please, please, please drop a comment. Tell me whatever your favorite part of each episode is. You know, I, I see there's like, 12 or 15 people on YouTube that are watching all the way to the end on Spotify. Send me a message or somewhere. Just let me know. It's just, again, it's something I just like to hear. It it makes me feel good first and foremost. And then it, you know, allows me to just, I don't know. Or don't do it if you don't want to. I don't fucking care. All righty, man. Have a good one. Peace and much love. Holla. Listen up. Listen up.